This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. Stacey Washington, and welcome to Stacey on the Ride here on LifeSet TV. All right, so guess what? We have a lot to unpack today as it pertains to what's going on with the Democrats and their caucuses. They're actually trying to decide which of their candidates would be best suited to represent them in a national matchup against President Donald Trump. And uh, I got to say, I've been calling it the clown car candidate rundown because there's just not anybody over there who looks like they could even maybe just stand on the debate stage next to President Trump, considering the onslaught that he's going to bring in uh, in relation to their policies. And his record of winning has been, it's, it's incontrovertible. He's doing a fantastic job on all of the metrics. Whether you like him or not, the man is a great president. So it was interesting to me that James Carville, who tends to be almost like the sage of the Democratic Party. He, he's like the canary in the coal mine, if you will. He calls it out when they get too far to the left or when they get too involved in identity politics. And he had a lot to say about this. It's this. It's an interesting clip of him. He's talking about everything that's been going on in the last couple of weeks and the direction of the Democratic Party as it pertains to their policies. So let's take a look at him talking about this. If we go the way of the British Labor Party, if we nominate Jeremy Corbyn, it's going to be the end of days. If the British Labor Party would have nominated David Mildback, they'd be in power. So I am, I am scared to death. I really am. And I think people are going to, you know, and I think I'm, I'm waiting. I hope these African American voters in the South, you know, I grew up in Ibbeville, Paris, Louisiana. I live in Orleans, Paris, Louisiana. I, I know 10 times more African Americans than most people I know. And they're looking for somebody that can come in and not just excite them, but talk about things that really matter to them in everyday life. They're not interested in socialism and the revolution and all that foolishness you hear. They're interested in somebody that's going to come to them and articulate a vision as to how they fit into this country and what's their relationship and what kinds of things that the schools they, that kids go to, the health care their parents receive, the wages they receive. That's what matters to people. And if we, if we lose that, we're going to lose it. We're going to be the British Labor Party. We're going to be out in some theoretical left-wing la-la land. Wow. So theoretical left wing la la land end of days. He's using apocalyptic terminology to describe what happens to the Democrats if they decide that their best bet is their current course. Now, I think it's interesting that he uses those terms. He's trying to get their attention. He's speaking on MSNBC, but his interest is in getting a huge swath of Americans to go and tell their leadership in the Democrat Party that this is not the correct direction. I don't think they'll listen. In fact, I think they're pretty hardened in their viewpoint that America needs radical change and that they do need a revolution. And they may not want a Bernie Sanders revolution. I actually don't think party leadership wants him at all. But why rely only on my expertise? Let's talk to Drew Berquist, the host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist here on LifeSet TV. Drew, thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's good to be here. Okay, so let's... What I. 
I just, I'm kind of flabbergasted. First of all, James Carville makes some excellent points. It is kind of like end of days. He points to what's happening across the pond in Great Britain, how labor has lost. It was historic. A hundred years, some of these districts had been ruled by hardcore leftists. And all of a sudden they just flipped and went to uh, Boris Johnson in this last election cycle. And a lot of people are all over the online Twitter fear and everywhere else saying, this is going to happen in America too. What do you see happening? Yeah, I think that this is, I, I think it is interesting. I love your description of, of Carville because I think it's spot on. And I think that, that what, what we're seeing here is just like the ultimate course correct, over course correct. They're going so far to, to go against and challenge President Trump, who they, of course, loathe. But in the process, they're blowing it up. They're losing all of their moderate voters. The independent voters are, are, are being lost, I think, at least in droves, um, in, in my opinion, as well. So they're positioning themselves where they've gone so far left. I agree with you also. They don't want Bernie, Bernie Sanders. to. They're, they're, they're doing, in fact, everything they can to ensure that he is not their candidate, uh, you know, come the convention, because they know that he's not electable. I mean, there's people, whether it's Carville or other folks within the DNC, you know, folks that were attached to prior administrations that are saying just as much. They're saying, look, this guy's not electable. Uh, he's he's likable, but he's not electable. So, Drew, let's talk a little bit about the shift that we've seen. It was Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. And we were shocked by that. I don't know about you. I mean, I think I've, I've seen enough of your shows to see that you were kind of like, that's the best they've got. Senile old hair sniffer Joe Biden and angry, you know, your next door neighbor's grandma, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. And that's what they're going to put forward to the American people. But there's been this seismic shift. Biden and Warren were in the bottom two, and you have the three least likely. Obviously, Amy Klobuchar, to me, seemed like she could have been an early front runner, but she wasn't. She couldn't get traction. Yeah. Now that they're like anybody but Joe Sanders, she's in the top three. Joe, Mayor, Mayor, Mayor Pete is what I'm going to say. Mayor Pete, not his Bougie. last name. Yep. Get that right. Right. It, no, that's not right. You're supposed to say edge, edge. I mean, this this is the problem with me saying it. That's why I don't say it. <laughs> Drew, I can't say the man's name. I don't want to. Um, the, but him and then, of course, Sanders. Yeah. I, so, had, look, regular Americans, because they're counting on black Americans to swing hard for Joe Biden. And uh, do you think they're going to do it? Or, or will uh, black Americans pick one of these other crazy people? I mean, I think only time will tell, obviously. I, look, I think Biden and Sanders are done. I think they're toast. There, there's, there's room for them to come back. I, well, I, let me say this again. I think Elizabeth Warren is toast. I think Biden has a little bit of a window of opportunity still if he can do well in South Carolina and, and pick up some other delegates along the way, get, get the, the black vote or get some of these other um, groups that Bernie's not going to hit. But I think he's I think he's done, too. I mean, these performances were so bad there. You know, the gaffes that he continually has had since he's been in politics continue to come back and bite him. So I think, unfortunately, for for because I, I still maintain that Joe is the most moderate is as crazy as he is, as much as he likes to inappropriately sniff people. He is the most moderate, reasonable person out of the bunch, you know, and and he's he's pretty much relegated himself to being out of the picture. Uh, Warren, I'm I'm thrilled is out of the picture. What's interesting though is with this, obviously Bernie is far far left and has policies that could never work. Literally don't make an ounce of sense other than it's it sounds interesting when he says it. But you've got Buttigieg, who a lot of people are saying is moderate. But if you if if you're paying attention, he's not moderate at all. I mean, we've seen this like there's been calls for 
flooding smaller towns with legal immigrants to to build up their population. There was an article that came out about that today. He's talked about decriminalizing uh, decriminalizing all drugs, including the bad ones like meth and heroin. Um, you know, he's just made all these crazy suggestions, uh, not to mention lifestyle choices that that don't put him in the moderate category. He's he's maybe not Bernie Sanders, but he is far from from an establishment kind of center left Democrat. So you mentioned something that I think is pretty interesting about Pete, Mayor Pete. He actually said something pretty extreme about abortion as well. And there are 21 million pro-life Democrats, 21 million. That is a number that approaches uh, parity with the number of evangelicals who don't vote, who aren't registered to vote. So this is a huge swath of Americans who they may be leftists on like, uh, you know, single payer health care or, uh, you know, who, who gets to come into the country illegally or whatever. But on the life issue, they're very strong and they want a place in the party. And so we saw Amy Klobuchar moderate her position on that by yeah. saying that she yeah. is, of course, pro-choice, but that the Democrats are still a big tent party and they do want pro-life Democrats to come in. So she saw that interview, um, that big, huge interview with the, the it was a like a town hall like type town forum. Hall, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that the her last name is Day. She's a the leader of pro life Democrats. She asked the question, and Mayor Pete just bombed. I mean, he bombed that sucker. Yeah. So you're talking about people leaving. Like, of course, you had Yang leave. You you know, I think Warren is toast. She might end up as uh, like vice president on the ticket, but I almost doubt they'd even do that because she's too ambitious. She doesn't seem like she'd make a good vice president. Like she couldn't just live in the vice presidential mansion and leave everything alone. She seems like she's trying to take it over. Right. Um, but when you say Biden is not quite done, so I saw that Clarence Thomas documentary that just came out. And in the documentary, they have some video from way back when Clarence Thomas was up for confirmation. And Joe Biden makes the strangest hand movements in that video. He talks like a man who is decoupled from his own self-awareness like he's almost insane and this is 25 years ago so he's it's not that he's going a little senile he's been this way from day one and he's the one they want they don't want bernie sanders they do want joe biden um do you think joe biden could stand up against president trump in one of those debate type scenarios like hillary clinton had with him where they roam around the stage together etc no i don't think honestly i don't think that there is a person on their their list of candidates that can stack up, which is why I think, you know, I, I I'm torn because I don't want voters to become com, uh, become complacent. I don't want them to think that we have this. We don't. It's going to come down to a couple key states, and it's going to be tight no matter who it is, just because the country's so polarized that people are literally going to vote just along party lines and and along some you know a different identity um, type issues. But at the end of the day, there's not a person there that can stand up. I mean, you had Liz Warren calling, you know, Mike Pence a dog the other day, and people are like, oh, my gosh, she's got the wit to stand up to President Trump. No, she doesn't. Like, there's not a person on that side who can do it. Um, you know, Biden will try and level level uh, and unload his experience there. But, like, but, but really beyond that, like, he can't stand up to it. Bloomberg saying that he can. Bloomberg can spend with him, but that's about it. So I don't I don't think anyone can really hang with him. And I can't wait to watch those debates because all President Trump has done is get better at his job and understand how these other people tick more and more. So, you know, we thought the debates with Hillary Clinton were entertaining. These are going to be way, way, way more, you know, attention grabbing and sit back with some popcorn. So, Drew, I agree with you. I, I'm... Um... 
I actually am sick with the cold, but one thing that warms the cockles of my, you know, uh, marmy heart right now is that <laughs> those debates are going to come. And no matter which one of them it is, Donald Trump is going to mop the floor with them. So yeah. speaking yeah. of President Trump, I saw a, uh, it, it, it's a beautiful mock-up over on Fox News where they talk about incumbent voting in New Hampshire. And they had 1996 picture of Bill Clinton, 76,797 votes. 2004, you had George Bush, who I voted for. I also voted, my first vote was for Bill Clinton, um, his second term. 53,962 for uh, George Bush. And then 49,080 votes for President Obama in 2012. And then you have President Trump, 87% reporting, 120,476 votes. So I guess my question after looking at a graphic like that and seeing that the president's approval rating is at 49% and that there's just this really, it's like peace and calm settling over the land. We have problems. We have a lot of things we're still dealing with. But for the most part, I don't see a lot of people who want to switch what's going on, especially if the option is a socialist type of event, like something that we as Americans have never really experienced. Mm -hmm. What do you think the president has to do to get the message out there with the media? They, they're still actually angling for possibly another impeachment based on Roger Stone not going to jail for nine years. Like the, anything he does, if he scratches a fingernail, they want to maybe impeach him for that. Yep. How do you see him presenting the idea that we don't need to change course to the voters, you know, in stark contrast to what the Democrats are putting out there? I think honestly, it's just is 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 non permissive as an environment as it is right now for conservatives and particularly for President Trump. I mean, no one's ever seen the the hatred and and the stuff piled on him like he has. But I think it's staying the course because you look at you look at Kavanaugh, you look at the Mueller probe, you look at you know uh, obviously the impeachment trial, all of this stuff. They keep using the same playbook and it keeps blowing up in their face, bringing conservatives and independents together more of being like, like, like these people are crazy. Um, he keeps being vindicated. He's he's staying the course throughout it. So I think he just keeps doing that. Um, look, they're, they're going to bring something else up. They're probably going to bring several more things up between now and November. That's just how they operate. But I think that, you know, as long as we can keep the economy strong, we can keep job numbers strong, unemployment down, all the things that are going on. I mean, if you look around and actually stop to think for a second and evaluate, don't just read a CNN headline, you'll see that things are pretty darn good. Like, like some of them like epically good, like as good as they've ever been. And, and, and that's, that's just, I think the course that needs to be maintained. Let's, let's stay the course there. Keep keep the keep the rallies going. Keep people excited and engaged because it is going to come down to voting. Um, but I think I think that that's just the message because these other plans and and again going back to the debate stuff, if Bernie does end up being the nominee again, I think that in the end they screw him like they did in 2016 and someone else steps in who's who probably won't get as much attention as he will. Um, but if if he is, let's just play that out. These debates are going to be awesome. I mean, I know we keep talking about it, but like stay the course. Let's just sit back and enjoy those debates. Trump's going to mop the floor with Bernie and that crazy hairdo of his. And then we move on for four more years and we continue to make America great again. And, and it's just I, I, it's going to be a good situation if we can hold on. You know, I'll take that any day, Drew. I was just uh, talking to a friend about how fantastic it was that Mitch McConnell, who is someone who I have I have literally savaged him relentlessly for years and then President Trump is elected and a new Mitch McConnell rises from the ashes like a phoenix. Mm -hmm. And he's a warrior phoenix. And 
he's scary, yet he's wonderful and kind all at the same time. And so the impeachment was over. The president was acquitted. We were celebrating Mary Equipmas. And Mitch McConnell, within moments of the vote, submits more names for the federal judiciary and pushes them through and gets them confirmed. Yeah. And on top, it was like the, uh, if you want whipped cream on top of your Sunday, and then yeah. the lady asks a sprinkle of nuts that you didn't ask for and then throws a cherry on top and you're like, man, I'm getting a bone. I'm getting bonus right now. That's what it was like. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think you're dead on. Like we just have to stay the course as hard as it is. It really is hard, but there's, there's, there's like a, a corner and then we get around that corner. If we can make it there. And then there's ice cream sundaes for everybody. And who doesn't love that? Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, absolutely. And he did. He really, he's, he's impressed me because I've been very, back and forth on him, mostly negative towards McConnell. And I love that they they stepped up, had that prepared. And as soon as it was done, it's like, hey, let's get back to work. Because it's also a reminder, which no one, of course, picked up on because the mainstream media doesn't report that kind of stuff, like that you guys have not only been making all this stuff up that has, has come to, and we've had these investigations and President Trump's been vindicated on everything you've brought forward. But it should be clear that in the process of doing this and wasting everyone's time with this telenovela, you know, drama that we're, we've all been put through that we're not actually doing what the government's supposed to be doing. We're not actually doing the jobs that we're supposed to be doing. We've got hundreds of positions that are unfilled and, and things are being held up because of your nonsense. So hopefully, hopefully more and more. I mean, literally, if we can just get a couple percentage points of the population to see through that, that only helps us. And, and again, it sticks with that stay the course mindset. Mm. Well, okay, so obviously I could sit here and ask you all the questions I have in my mind. And believe me, there are many, many more questions deep in the recesses of my brain. I have other things I want to ask Drew Berquist of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. But you probably have other things you need to do. And I have to wrap up. So I want to say thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Stacey. Look forward to doing it again. All right. Talk to you again soon. All righty. So, guys, you know what? Um, that's the analysis. That That is in my opinion, the definitive idea that we have to go forward into the remainder of this year, it's stay the course. And of course, tell a friend. Um, I was actually, I had the privilege of meeting someone that I'd never met before, a friend of a friend who swung by while we were doing something together at her kitchen table. And he popped in. And as he began to talk a little bit about his feelings for President Trump, we got into a discussion and it was very kind. I didn't know the gentleman, but we were sharing our feelings about the presidential election and the president and uh, a couple of issues, namely the pro-life issue. As you know, that's my number one issue. And during the discussion, we learned some things from each other because we didn't devolve into yelling or, or sniping. We really shared. He shared, I shared, and my friend shared. And as we were talking, I think we kind of strengthened our own views, but learned a little bit new from each other. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Don't be afraid in this political season to share why you're planning on voting for the Republicans or why you're planning on voting on a specific issue and the party platform as opposed to voting for a specific person. I don't believe in the cult of personality. I happen to be a huge fan of President Trump's, but I'm not in a cult of personality, so I can actually explain why I plan to vote for him. And other candidates here locally, 
that are not maybe as successful as President Trump, or maybe they are more successful in their demeanor, perhaps, but they have won my vote because of issues that they plan to execute on that I feel are in the biblical worldview, and I feel like I can trust them to give them an opportunity. So don't be afraid of that. Don't shy away from it. Please share why you're planning to vote for whoever you're planning to vote for. Um, and then let the chips fall where they may. And as Drew said, stay the course. Thanks for joining us today here on Lifeset TV. I'm Stacey Washington, and this has been Stacey on the Right.